Introducing Minor Wisdom Quintet. And we're back, 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 back again, again, again. Minor wisdom. All right, that's that was bad. That could have been the groaner joke right there. Anyway, welcome back to Minor Wisdom. This week is the guests of all guests. Paula Rodriguez, head of UIL One Act Play, just finished her first year, and she was kind enough to meet me for lunch in Austin and uh, let me interview her. And that was, uh, I was flattered. It was it was very kind of her. We had never met before. I'm very glad I got to meet her. She was very kind. Uh, I don't want to bore you too much longer. Stay tuned for the curtain call as well. Talk about another podcast. Make sure that you are headed out to these leadership conferences for the Texas Thespians. The first one is coming up in a week. Check out the website for more deets, as the kids say. Here's your groaner joke, ladies. Hey, Dad, can you write in the dark? Uh, I think so. What is it you want me to write? Uh, your name on this report card, please. I mean, I started in theater when I was in sixth grade. So the reason I took the class was because I had a stammer. And so my father thought it'd be a good idea for me to take a speech and drama class, thinking that speech and speech therapy was all the same thing. But uh, it wasn't so bad where I needed a speech therapist. But uh, he told me that I was going to have to, you know, get up in front of people and talk my entire life. And so what, you know, what better way than to start now? So I had a really amazing um, middle school drama teacher. And uh, from there, I mean, I was totally hooked. And from there on, um, in high school, I was going to be a debater. So I did, in middle school, we did debate, you know, middle school debate and middle school theater and all. And so in high school, I was going to focus on debate. But I saw that the debate kids were working, you know, really, really hard uh, at speech tournaments, where the drama kids were having a really good time right. at speech tournaments. So I said, let me give that a shot. And so I took the theater classes, and oh, I took a theater, one semester of theater, that was it. So I was hooked. I had a very, obviously, a very uh, powerful, very influential theater teacher, and the rest is history. Wow. I did right. it, yeah. And then what about uh, university? So I went to Texas State, where okay. it was Southwest Texas State at that time. Yeah. Um, it, at that time, I just thought it was an incredible program. It still is an incredible program. Um, I went to graduate school at UC Irvine, okay. uh, where I studied with Robert Cohen. But I left the program and came back to Texas, where I started, then I started teaching high school. Okay. So I taught uh, high school for four years at Sonora, which was a 3A school in West Texas. And then I went to graduate school for two years. I went to Texas Tech, where I studied with George Sorensen before he retired. And then I went back and taught at MacArthur in San Antonio, my alma mater. And then I taught one year at South Lake Carroll. And um, then I moved to San Antonio College, where I taught college for 15 years. And now I'm here. What was your, I guess, uh, what was the biggest eye-opening experience that you had between public secondary education to the university setting? 
very little except for very little change, um, except that I didn't have to, you know, call parents. Uh, that <laughs> yeah. was a, that was that was that was refreshing. <laughs> yeah. For at that time, uh, I didn't have to call parents. I didn't have to deal with tardies. I didn't have to deal with progress reports. But you know, things are changing on the collegiate level as well. Right. So. Right. Yeah, now, now, especially with email uh, parents, exactly. those, exactly. what do they call them, the helicopter, helicopter parents. parents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they show up. Yeah. And they also yeah. have the lawnmower parents. I, I don't know if you've I don't heard know that. I've, heard lawnmower I, parents. I've introduced that to a lot of people. It's a, it's kind of a newish term, maybe the last two uh -huh. years, but they, they mow over everyone for their kid. That's the idea. So right. instead of hovering, you know, hovering parents yeah. are always kind of there, but lawnmower parents are the ones that. They'll, they'll make sure to make your life kind of miserable. Interesting. So they're those types of parents, too. Then come the bulldozer parents. Yeah, and, yeah. I mean, yeah. you can make any sort of... Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> so uh, we can talk about UIL probably for hours and hours and hours, but I want to get into some of the fun stuff first. Okay. So what is your favorite play? And it could be... You, could, you don't have to narrow down to one necessarily. Yeah. And your favorite playwright? My favorite playwright is Garcia Lorca. So that for sure, but... My favorite play actually is The Seagull. Okay. So by Chekhov. Chekhov. Yeah. Um, I saw an amazing production of it years ago. It was a famous Broadway, off Broadway production that had like Meryl Streep and Kevin Kline, and it was like a who's who of actors. Right. But uh, The Seagull really, really touched me just because it's about theater. It's about, no. It's about theater, it's about family, um, dysfunction, dysfunctional families. It's, you know, love, loss. It kind of has all of those elements together. So for me, that kind of, and I think it's a play that can be done by by anybody. Yeah. You know, it's any kind of group. I've, I've actually considered, because Chekhov's not done a lot in high school. Um, at least, yeah, it's just not. It's not done as much as, mm -hmm. you know, some of the other classics. And so Siegel and Bear and, mm -hmm. and you know, mm -hmm. anyway. Uh, I agree with you. So. Uh, what is a style of theater that no longer really exists or maybe is not done as often mm -hmm. that you would love to see kind of make a, a comeback? A comeback and all? Yeah. Um, I think I miss my calling for being like an adult in the 60s, late 60s, early 70s. I think happenings... I would love to see <laughs> happenings come back. Okay. Um, it'd be kind of scary. Uh, for a while, I guess they were called. What were they called? Uh, um, like uh, flash mobs. Okay. So I yeah. guess flash mobs was the closest to it. But I've always been a fan of let's take it to the streets, and we've got a message, we've got something we want to say. Let's go and perform it. Yeah. You know, perform it anywhere. F find a space and do it. So I kind of. You know, I love talking about happenings when I was teaching in college and talking about, hey, you know, it's like you're unhappy with parking. Let's go and let's let's create a yeah, let's create a, a situation. Let's create a a ghost of ball, you know, type of uh, situation where people would get involved, the audience would get in, you know involved and all. And uh, they kind of looked at me like I was crazy. Yeah. Saying uh, we don't want to get kicked out. We don't want to, you know, you, you must be crazy. Yeah. So uh, I miss my calling, I think. But yeah, I love the idea of a happening. So and you know Bob Singleton. Uh -huh. uh, so it, I went to. HSPBA, so I'm a product oh, okay. of Bob, but um, the, at HSPBA, maybe once every six weeks or so, they had happenings. So at lunch, you would have performances, um, and it was it was a showcase. It was sure. it was a fun. They still do them, oh, uh, wow. but I don't know. You know, and I could be wrong. I don't know if they're when Bob was there, he would say, "You know what a happening is, right?" You know, he would tell us because we just thought it was the title that they chose. Sure. But it was a thing. 
but now I don't know if they. I think they just think it's some random title. Yeah. Like it could be like, the Lunchbox. Series, yeah, exactly. You know, I was say, but, Lunchbox Theater. Yeah. Or so, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah. So the the history of the happenings. Yeah. That's funny you say that. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you could totally bring that back, but <laughs> <laughs> I don't see. I don't see. You know. Maybe not. It, but it, yeah. uh, there's you ways. Could, I mean, try. I think I think the flash mobs. I mean, I'm not yeah. sure if flash mobs have run run itself out, but. Um, you know, I love showing, yeah. you know, examples of flash mobs to my students yeah. and saying, look what can be done and look yeah. what kind of, you know, look look what kind of message they're, you know, they're, they're sending forth. And it's funny and it's, you know, confusing yeah. and you're feeling Just something. Has, yeah, yeah. It, yeah. Sometimes there's a level of yeah. uh, appropriate timing and things like that. And it's the idea also that theater doesn't have to take place in a theater. It right. can take place anytime, anyplace, anywhere. Yeah. So Indeed. it's exciting. One audience, one actor, and one stage. There you go. So at this point, our food was delivered, and we decided instead of doing some ASMR, we would take a little bit of a break in the interview process and both eat our food, and this is where we pick up. While we were eating, not recording, we kind of talked about administration, right? Uh-huh. Getting administration to sort of understand what they see in a, in a classroom of right. fine arts teachers. What is something that you think needs to be done state-wise, nationally, whatever it might be that would help train administrators to better understand what they see when they walk into a fine arts classroom? I mean, every teacher, I think, wants to be appreciated for what they do. So I think a little bit of training would go a long ways for administrators. You know, like we had talked about earlier about, about, you know, having to teach a class, you know, every once in a while, you know, to be in the classroom again, besides, you know, just observing that short amount of time, you know, if they just knew more outside of, let's say, you know, the what I play handbook, you know, for them to know what, a little bit about what they do, what, you know, what does a theater teacher do in, in a classroom, you know, it's not, it's more than games, it's more than putting on plays, they can see how, you know, students are engaged with each other and, um, I mean, that would, I think that would help a whole lot. So just a little bit of education. It doesn't have to be like, you know, they don't have to go to grad school, but just that they learn a little bit more about what the teacher does. Because like we were saying earlier, I mean, with math or science, it's kind of cut and dry. But with something like theater, it's a little more ambiguous. So I think if they just, you know, took a workshop, did some kind of professional development for themselves to find out what it is that a teacher does, then I think they have a better understanding. Now, would you encourage... I, I probably know the answer to this, but I'm still going to ask. Uh-huh. Would you encourage fine arts teachers, arts, uh, theater, choir to go into administration and to help maybe better train those that need it? I, I mean, I think it's great. I mean, I think it's great now that we have so many, in Texas, we have so many fine arts directors who are former theater teachers. You know, I think it's a fantastic thing. Um, of course, if that's what that's what their passion is and that's what they want to do, it's fantastic. Um, I think it's been very, very helpful having that, you know, having teachers have a, you know, a resource to go to. They get it, you know. They're an advocate for their own administration by going to the fine arts director. So, you know, we want to keep our good teachers in the classroom as well. Right. But, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. but for sure, for sure, I think it's it's been, it's, my understanding, it's been pretty good. All right. So getting it a little bit into UIL. Okay. Um, some goals that you might well first of all how how was your first year it's let's, been yeah. let's talk about that never a dull moment yeah it's been really i think 
personally, it's been successful. Um, it's been eye-opening to see it from this perspective. Because, you know, I've, I've done UI, I've done what I've played my entire life in some capacity. So, thank you. Um, so, every day is a learning experience. I always refer to it as like my first year of teaching. Sure. So, first year of teaching, there were days that I nailed that class. I nailed it. I got my, you know, I, my lesson plans were perfect. My execution was perfect. And there are days like going, oh boy, <laughs> let's let's start all over. So, there are days like that. So, it's, it kind of compares to your first year of teaching. Um, but overall, really successful. I work with really great people. and been more than helpful and so yeah was there really something good. that that you could share that surprised you that you did not expect and then was there something that you're like oh that is exactly what I thought it would be um, quite honestly I think I can talk about this I think what surprised me was what occurs on social media Referring, you know, regarding the one act play contest. Sure. So um, maybe because when I was doing one act play, we didn't have Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you know, if anything went wrong, if we were unhappy, you know, we would share amongst our friends. Right. So I think that was kind of surprising the amount of sharing that was going on, positive and negative. Yeah. You know, because the positive, the highs are really, really high. So um, you know, that was exciting. The support for each other on Facebook, yes. on social media, is fantastic. Is there anything that that you knew, like when you walked in and you saw it happening, you're like, that's exactly what I thought it would be? You know, as a because as an educator, you think, well, go ahead. Yeah, go yeah, ahead. you know what it is, is that, like I said before, it's like, it's never a dull moment. What was amazing, because people always talk about, oh, you must be inundated with the emails and phone calls. And it's like, yeah, and I expected that. I mean, I expected yeah. it to be nonstop, especially during, you know, competition season. But what I did expect was that, how your brain has to shift like every five minutes like when you're answering a phone call it could be a superintendent it could be a first sure. year teacher it could be a middle school teacher it could be a technical question it could be something dealing with policy it could be a parent and so that part uh, was wow i mean that you have to that you, you've got to be on your game and uh you know I'm, you know, first to say, you know, if I don't know an answer to something, yeah. I will call you back, I'll email you back, I will find out the answer, you know, for you. So, so. kind of a weird question, in this day of um, spam phone calls, right? Mm -hmm. To get these numbers on your phone that you don't reckon, you're not, you're not going to recognize any of them right. until you save them in right. there. How many spam phone calls have you answered? <laughs> because I didn't give out my phone number, my yeah. personal number, until contest season. Right. So, so it was pretty good. Okay. okay. So it was good. <laughs> I gave my my phone number out during for contest managers and their contest season. Right. So everyone was really good and okay. very respectful. No, honestly. I, I screened the heck out of my phone calls, so that's what. So, I was like, well, the moment yeah. I get a call, you know, I yeah. mean, during contest season, I would answer, so not yeah. a problem. And then I would save the person. Now I have yeah. you know, their number. But uh, um, yeah, no, no, people were very respectful. For my okay. privacy and all that is right. fantastic. Yeah. That's good. Uh, it's good to hear. Mm -hmm. um, when you are. Oh, well, let me go to this. Uh, some goals that you have. So, do you have some long, some short term goals, some long term goals that related to UI One Act Play? I would say the long term goals is always going to be growth. Yeah. That I want the contest to grow. I definitely want the contest to grow in areas in look. <laughs> In underrepresented, we'll say, locations, regions, um, rural areas, um, 
that's really important for me. You know, inner city schools, uh, I want more rep more representation. Right. Um, so I think that would be my long-term long goal for sure. Um, Short-term goals is, you know, I want to be accessible. You know, I want to make sure that people are able to contact me yeah. to receive questions. Um, so I know the handbook's always an issue. So making the handbook, I don't want to say easier, but, you know, there sh it shouldn't be so complicated right. for, for folks. And it should be more of a love-love relationship with the handbook and not like a love-hate relationship. Right. So I would want to work on that. I would say that's kind of a short-term. Do you think there's a growth. chance that it becomes digital? There are, you know, more, And I know it's technically digital because it it's a PDF, but yeah. uh, that it becomes um, so that you don't have to control F and... When you type in the word light, there are 80 different... Possibly. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. I mean, possibly, I, I, you know, it all depends on, you know, I know that's a, and, there, yeah. there are more. There's more red tape to, sure, to get through sure, when it sure. comes to that stuff. Sure, sure. Um, and we're always trying to, you know, let's look at the website. Let's see what we can do to make it user-friendly. Right. Let's look at these forums. And some stuff's out of our control, but um, yeah. we're always trying. We know because... You know, we, I now know the questions that we get. Sure. We get a hundred questions about a certain thing. It's like we really didn't take a look at that. So. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, do you um, have an idea of what you want your? I know it's still young. Yeah. But do you have an idea of what you want your legacy to be when it when it's all said and done? And let's say forty years. <laughs> forty years. <laughs> Thank you for thinking that I am young. Um, honestly, I hope that people can say that I was an advocate for them that I was there for them, um, for all schools. Yeah. You know, not necessarily just large schools, even though I come from the large schools, but um, yeah, that I was a, a resource for them to help them become better teachers, better directors. Uh, that theater can be fun and educational and life-changing. So that's what I really want to be, yeah. you know, as an advocate for them. Yeah. I, was, I was on their side. Have you had anybody, any, don't name names obviously, no. but have you had anybody to this point that, that is convinced that you are not? Like, have you had, and again, you don't need a name of a director. I'm sure. Okay. No, I'm nobody's sure. Nobody's come to you and said. Yeah, you were the worst. No, yeah. um, no, definitely not to yeah, my face. Yeah. Um, no, I'm sure, you know, it'll take time. But, uh, um, yeah, I'm sure there's people who think that because they're unhappy with a, a ruling or right. unhappy that something didn't get approved or, you know, so I'm sure it's out there. Sure. And you're switching gears a little bit, still staying with one-act play, but in your time as a director, is there, is is there a show that you, now that you are the director, right? Is there a show that you look back on and think, I wish I had known that and done it different when I produced it, when I directed it, uh, back when you were in the classroom? I want to go back and change. Because, <laughs> um, you know, I, I see like Natasha's stuff at sure, Temple, right? Sure, sure. And it, it, that stuff always. That, her shows always make me think, always. Uh -huh. Not and, and the curtain could just go up, no action happen on stage. Just the visual appeal of her shows, of what she's able to do, and it's all kosher, right? It's all you know. So you're thinking, wow, like, it, how did, how is she doing that within the confinement of, of these right. rules and these regulations? And it's, but she she does, uh -huh. and it's so it makes you think as a director. Am I, am I lazy? <laughs> no, yeah, you know? no, no, I get it, I get it. I think if I could go back to my first four years in Sonora, um, I wish I had the knowledge of technical theater and right. design that I have now, having watched 
amazing work yeah. on the UIL stage or professionally. Um, when I started teaching, I had I was trained as an actor, so that where I, I felt that was my strength, and acting and directing was my strength, so that's what I focused on. I didn't really think about lighting and you know scenery, so I think I pretty much had the same unit set configuration for four years for every show. I'm not kidding. So it pretty much looked like that. I would add some tool, I would add some fabric here and there, but I wish I could go back and fix that. I wish I could do that, you know. You know, try the play without a set. Try the play, you know, with side lighting. Try, you know, I wish that, that I wish I could go back. I wouldn't change anything as far as how the play was directed, sure. but I wish I knew then what I know now about design. And not like I didn't take the classes. I just didn't really pay attention to the right. classes. <laughs> Did you compete in UIL as a student? Yes. Yes. How, how were you? How'd you do? Um, I played Norma Henshaw, my first show at the Diviners. I got Best Actress, thank you very okay. much. I played Lady <laughs> Belston in the History of Tom Jones. I got Best Actress, thank you very much. So I did it for three years. Okay. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> that's, always, that's always one of my, uh, you know, and I'll lead to the next question, but um, one, of, one of the things that I didn't have the experience of was doing one act play uh -huh. in high school. Right, right, Because right. it was HSPBA. Right. Uh, so I, I didn't go into education mm -hmm. with this passion of one-act play, oh, yeah. whereas a lot of students turning into educators oh, sure. do, right? Like, well, when I was in school, we sure. blah, blah, blah. Uh, so going with that, everybody always has a question about your view as theater or the arts as a competition. Um, I, I've asked almost everybody that I've interviewed that uh -huh. their take on it. And it seems to be a, a hot topic, right? You know, because uh, uh, some people feel that it shouldn't be competitive, and I, and I felt that way when I entered education, uh, but grew to understand why we do it, at least in Texas, uh, and the, the the value of it. I've got a job because of it, practically, uh, and that's not true in every state. But there's still non-believers. Not to compare to Luis, but Luis said, you know, he, he, he made the point of everything is a competition. Yeah. You know, your life is a competition, <laughs> yeah. right? Exactly. So for you to think that the arts should not be the same way or should not have some level of it. It's not that every show you right. do should be competitive. Uh, your take? I believe in friendly competition. Okay. I, I feel the same way. I feel that we're competitive with everything in life. And for me, it was all about... Yeah, you know, setting high standards for myself and for my work and for my students. You know, if students, especially when I was teaching at you know at a five A now it would be a six A school, where a lot of students this is what they wanted to do for a living. You know, they had to know that this is a competitive business, yeah. and so we have to set high standards for ourselves. We have to you know try to model professional behavior. You know, you know professional you know work ethic, and so that for me was competition, friendly competition. I never thought, I always thought of competition not for that final trophy, which was nice when things like that. I always thought that things would fall into place. Right. If our work is that good, if we have such high standards, if we train our students, then everything will fall into place because it's supposed to that year. So it's just how I approach it. But as far as we want to be, did you see that work that done by Temple High School? Did you see that work done by you know Jay Worship and Snyder? Did you see that kind of work and all that? We want to be able to be as good, as slick, as well acted, as well directed as those as those schools. And um, if we were lucky enough, we would see them at state, and sometimes we didn't. But um, yeah, for for me, I find it very, very, very helpful, very healthy. Yeah. So I'm a proponent for it. 
So switching gears a little bit off of one act play and stuff, when you look back at your time in the classroom, uh, what do you wish you had done differently? And what did you do that surprised you when you were new to teaching? So the, the way I, I look at it is when I started teaching, I, I didn't realize that, or I didn't, I didn't have the confidence in myself that I was going to be a difference maker in a kid's life. So, that, you know, that's, that's almost the main reason we're there. Is, yeah. is I didn't realize how vulnerable kids were. I was a city kid, you know, kind of sassy and sarcastic and kind of, you know, worldwide. Um, kids come from all different kinds of homes, different kinds of backgrounds. Um, what I said in the classroom mattered. It was amazing how many kids would go to battle for you, you know? And so I had a tremendous amount of responsibility. I think when I first started, it's like, okay, I'll teach my classes. I, I love what I play, so I put all this energy into what I play. But I didn't think about the daily, you know, day-to-day -day right. situation with students. So that I didn't realize. And so I just really have a huge responsibility to watch what I say, how I behave, you know, my work ethic. So that. The first part of your question was about what would I do different? Like, what, would you, what do you think you would do? I mean, that kind of is a little bit of... I would say, well, because I keep talking about competition and all that, um, I was extremely competitive yeah. when I first started. Um, not that I, I wanted to, you know, that I, my goal was I'm going to get to stay, but com competitive for myself. I want to be, you know, I want to work to be respected. I want to work to be high quality and all that. So if I could go back, I would say give myself a break and enjoy, enjoy those moments more. Um, you know, being quite honest, is I would you know go to competition in my first four years, and I would just you know make myself crazy, just nervous about oh the rules and and you know we're gonna do something that's gonna get us disqualified, and that's why you know I sympathize, I empathize with these teachers when they call me about that. I want to make it easier for them, yeah. you know, because I would drive myself crazy, and I, right. I enjoy that we were having you know a great performance or you know enjoying a moment on stage. The kids would come off stage and so excited, and I was thinking about. You know yeah. the final product or the result. Yeah. So, so to fun, be fun personal question. What's something you miss from San Antonio that you wish you could have? You know, and it could be as as simple as fiesta. ice cream. Oh, fiesta. Okay. Fiesta. <laughs> fiesta falls during state meet. Yeah. I love state meets. My new fiesta. But I do miss my fiesta, so I would say fiesta. So hey, I, I know nothing about that. What, uh -huh. what, what is that? So fiesta is like basically San Antonio's Mardi Gras almost. Okay. It's okay. a one-week celebration. It's you know all the different you know battles you know the Battle of Flowers parade. So it's a week of well, almost two weeks, about two weeks out of. Uh, fun parades, night parades, river parades, uh, festival food festivals, uh, so it's a lot of, you know, cracking cascarones on your head, you know, uh, those kinds of things, and uh, it's just a big party during the so, week. So, I, 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 I just clicked in my head, what, did you say cascarones? Cascarones, uh, cascarones. Yeah. So, my daughter, uh, last year in first grade, had sort of a fiesta celebration i guess okay. but and and they had those yeah, yes yeah, uh -huh. i had no idea what they were and okay. she handed one to me and said daddy you're supposed to break this on my head and i'm thinking this this i'm not going to do this to my yeah. child in front of all these people and all these witnesses right. she said no 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 daddy you got to break it on my head and so i just smack 
and I and she didn't cry, but she was like, "Daddy, that hurt." hurt I was like, well, I, didn't, I didn't know I was just supposed to like politely because it was very fragile. Or you just crumble? Yeah, it on you top did. Of yes, it. yes, yes, yes. But I took it and I, right. I mean, I just I, I hit it like it was like a family feud. You know, like yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah buzzer, the buzzer, buzzer, yeah. Uh, so. Yeah, so I do miss that. I do miss. I was gonna say breakfast tacos, and not fair, not, you know, not being unfair to Austin. There's some good tacos here, but I would say fiesta. Yeah. That's a big thing. So do do San Antonio locals go to the Riverwalk? Yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. For sure. I didn't oh, know if sure. that was like it's like in, in Houston, you know, Houstonians don't go to NASA. Yeah. You know. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say they go usually for you know to bring you know for family for relatives right, okay. out of towners but the river is i mean it's so symbolic of san antonio like whatever the spurs you know had like oh, a championship yeah, yeah, yeah. of course yeah. i mean the whole city would come out to yeah. you know you know to the river walk um so for fiesta for things like that st patrick's day and yeah. all that river rock's a big deal san antonio, are you a spurs so, fan yes i am I'm done. yes i am sorry <laughs> interview over anyway yes, we... and on that note we wrap up the interview with Paula Rodriguez, what a just a just a fun sit down interview. Uh, we also went to a local fun place in Austin to uh, I, I had a great burger. She had some catfish, and uh, it was it was fun. It was you could hear in the background lots of lots of people having a good time. Curtain call this week is with Mister or excuse me, Doctor. You earn that stuff. You earn the Doctor. Doctor Jimmy Chrisman goes by Jimmy. Uh, he posted online about his podcast, Thed Talks. It is a theater educator's podcast. That's all, folks. Uh, theater educator's podcast. Easy for you to say. And uh, I wanted to talk to him about it because I have now been on a few podcasts because I've started this silly little thing and wanted to have him on mine. And then we flipped it, and I ended up being on his, so that'll come out at some point. But Fed Talks podcasts, again, similar style to mine, but uh, just, you know, different guests. So check his podcast out. Here's my time that I spent with Dr. Jimmy Chrisman. Curtain call. I am uh, Dr. Jimmy Chrisman, and uh, please just call me Jimmy, though. <laughs> I, am, uh, I currently teach at Illinois State University. I am the head of the theater education program there. And uh, we have a pretty strong program of about 35 students right now. And uh, uh, about 75 to 80% of the theater teachers in Illinois have come from ISU, uh, where I currently am. So it's a pretty big, pretty big following across the state. And uh, I think we are, we are the only theater ed program in the state. So um, if you want to do theater education in Illinois, you come to us. Uh, but I have been here, I just finished my second year. At Illinois State, and I for that I taught in uh, North and South Carolina as a, a high school theater teacher for 17 years. So I had a pretty pretty good run down there, and really love what I did with my kids. And uh, this job just came along as I finished my dissertation, and really just kind of fell in my lap. It uh, it was literally my resume bullet point by bullet point as I looked at the job ad and said it'd be crazy to to not apply and try for it because this is what I was eventually going for I just didn't expect it this soon so here we are um, and I, uh, I currently currently have my own podcast uh, which is how we found each other yeah uh, it's called fed talks and uh, I, I just interview theater teachers and I, I capture their stories and, and uh, suggestions and resources that they want to share with other teachers um, I started it because I a couple of years ago 
a couple of years ago, the men, my mentor teacher for my student teaching who I've kept in touch with um, over the years uh, retired. And uh, I wanted to, I, I kind of felt my own uh, mortality and my humanity. And I wanted to uh, capture her stories. And uh, I just kind of used that as a, a launching point to interview other teachers because we all have great stories to share and, and great lessons we've learned and, and things that we can share with other teachers. So that's why I did my podcast and uh, just kind of creating a space for your teachers to come together and, and and share so what is how how long has your podcast been around uh, i started it uh back in the spring so okay. uh, i believe early early mid-april okay so you and i are about the yeah. same age as far as uh yeah. our podcasting is concerned uh yeah, what what do you like what is something that is driving you to to learn more about what other people are doing, something that, uh, uh, you know, getting their stories, what, why are you interested in this? Or is it just that you uh, want to make sure that other people kind of get this information and get these backgrounds and inspiration, I guess? I think it's uh, kind of both of those things. Uh, for, for myself, it's uh, being being in a different position, but still with theater education uh, at the university level of, with, with what I'm doing, uh, there's all the methods books out there that 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 I use with my classes, and and there's great tips and tricks to do in your classroom, and what is a standard, what's a lesson plan, that kind of stuff, the nuts and bolts of teaching. But there's really nothing out there um, to really capture the heart of what we do, sure, and uh, to give my students a, a realistic view of what they're going into. Uh, so this is, this is kind of serving twofold for that, not just the teachers that are out there, but for, for my students as well and other theater education students that are out there um, to, to know that th teaching theater is really a lifestyle. It's not just a job. Um, you know, you, you, we don't have the same hours as everyone else. And, and whereas we're pouring our heart and heart and souls into the work we're doing with our kids until you know, wee hours in the evening and night sometimes, that's not the expectation of, of a math teacher. Sure. And uh, and we, we, we as theater teachers tend to take that for is, is really important for me. And, and I think this is really serving a great way to do that because in my classes, we, I, I have, I have teachers um, Skype in and, and, and do guests lectures and interviews with my students and they ask questions because in in my students eyes I'm, I'm not really um in the real world of teaching theater anymore even though i'm just two years removed from it but having a teacher who's in the field currently doing that hearing their voice is really important what is something now that is a i, I mean are you considered a professor or are you uh you, you are so what is yeah. something now as a professor you wish you could go back and tell high school teacher version of you, hey, make sure you tell these kids do X, Y, Z so that they're better prepared for college? Ooh. Um, I think, and, and uh, this is some things I've gathered just from my interviews, but also what I'm seeing with my college students, um, finding ways to incorporate into what I did in the high school classroom of, of self care of, of, of take care of yourself and, and doing a better job of instilling in my students, the need to, to eat right, to, to drink lots of water, to, to sleep, to get rest, um, and to, 
really take care of themselves through the production process and, and just being good students, but also good stewards of, of themselves. My theater ed students are, I mean, they're, they're in high demand because they're, some of them are, are double majoring as acting majors as well. And so, I mean, they're, they're auditioning and they're in the main stage shows. We have so many student organizations that produce, you know, almost triple the amount of main stage shows that we have in addition. Um, and they're all, they have their hands in that as designers, as directors, as actors. And so they have a hard time saying no. Um, and I think, I think even we as theater teachers, we have a hard time saying no sometimes yeah. too. So, um, I think not only imparting that information to my students that I had then, but also for myself. Um, when I, I, I didn't think anything of, you know, being at school 12, 13 hours the day and then, getting up and doing it all over again um, and, you know, grabbing a bag from McDonald's on the way home because I'm too tired to cook anything when I get home. But when I moved up here, I, my very first semester, my, my chair and I were walking across campus and she asked how I was doing and if I was regretting leaving the classroom and, and coming to university level. And I said, no, I said, I'm not, I don't regret it at all. I said, I, I do miss my kids and I miss the work with them. But I said, I'm, I'm finding myself very bored because uh, I would, you know, my my last class was done on Mondays and Wednesdays at noon, and I had the rest of the day to do what I needed to do in my office, and then I could come home and work from home too. Yeah. And I was home, and I was cooking dinner, and I was doing homework with the kids, and I I didn't know what that life was like. Yeah, uh, so it took me a little while to to readjust and or to adjust. Period, because that's all I had known for seventeen years. Yeah, what is uh? You, you said you were in the Carolinas. Mm -hmm. uh, do yeah. you guys have a one act play system in your high school level? They both states do. Yeah. Um, in North Carolina, it's a, it's a bit bigger beast, uh, than what is in South Carolina, but right. they both, um, they both feed into the, uh, Southeastern theater conference for kind oh, okay. of a big ride. Okay. What is, what is your take on theater or arts as a competition? That's a very common I, question. <laughs> yeah. I do not like <laughs> okay. I, that I've never been one to enjoy um, competition. Did you and, do it in high school? I did not do it in high school. Okay. Um, when I was in high school, no. When I taught high school, um, we did. We didn't do it every year. We we kind of alternated years. Um, I do, I think the experience of seeing what other schools are doing is really important. Um, but that's but a I, festival. I, you I, can achieve that in a festival. Right. Yeah. But our festivals. We, they called them festivals, but they were competitions sure. that we had. Um, there was a there was a winning school. There were top schools. There were there were acting awards. Um, I just I don't know. I I I have an issue with putting up one school's art to another school's art. And, and I've, I've listened to some of your podcasts, and I mean, I think your first episode you you talked about that um, with uh, you know funding differences and, and yeah. And what does that mean and what does that equal for the work that the teacher's doing? I just think it's, it's, it's not a fair measure of what you're doing with your kids. And a lot of kids put, put so much stock in that. And, and I was very clear with my students that we were, we would, we were not going to, to the, to the competitions to, to compete. We were going to put our best work out there. We're going to go experience what other schools are doing. And we're going to be good stewards of the art and not, not, if we walk away with some trophies, cool, but that's not why we're going. Have you always been a theater guy? Um, uh, I did, I was, I was a band, a band guy in high oh, school, Okay, uh, I, but I did, uh, I did do 
the the spring musicals every year. Um, and then when I got into my undergrad program, I, I went I went in as a teacher, an education major, but I was I was um, elementary ed, I believe, is what I started. Okay. And then I switched to secondary English. Um, and then one evening in January, a friend of mine. Yeah, she grabbed me and said that you're going to an audition with me tonight. And I said, okay. So I got ready and went with her to the audition. And as a freshman, I was cast in the male lead of the theater department show that, that <laughs> spring, which was Good Woman of Szechuan by Bertolt Brecht. And uh, wow. she talked me into taking a creative drama class with her that semester. And I did. And I was hooked. And I was like, oh, okay, this is where I'm supposed to be. I found it. <laughs> yeah, maybe this is too uh, off color, but doing Brecht as your kind of first play in college is like getting circumcised as an adult. Like, it's just not, it's not something yeah. that you really want to look forward to. Wow. I, uh, my, my theater ed professor was in that show with me and uh, my director had him work with me individually, one-on-one -on -one with some acting things because I was not, I wasn't a theater major. I had right. never taken an acting class, a theater class before. And here I am jumping into Brecht as my first college show. Um, so he worked with me and looking back, I'm like, I wish I could go back and do that role again. Cause it'd be very different. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. My, my, my actually, uh, first call, I mean, I, I had done theater through, I, I've always been a theater kid, even with my monotone, uh, boring, you know, demeanor as you can see. But, um, I, I, my first show in college was Brecht actually. So, uh, jungle of cities. So that's, um, that's funny, but yeah, it's it's crazy how the, a director sees a male walk in that they've never seen before, and they're like, "What can we put him yep. in the show as?" <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> so that was working for you, I guess. I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> well, good for you. What did you play in band? I was I played alto saxophone. Okay, and uh, and I was the the drum major for my sophomore junior and senior years of high school do you think that that your experience as a band uh kid was something that contributed to your success as a high school director you know 17 years you would think you're successful oh yeah I, I i think i mean there were some things i definitely learned as a band student um the, uh, the the physical work that you had to do the dedication to something the Sorry, my dogs are going crazy. That's fine. I get it. I get my kids in the back. I have a seven or almost seven and almost three year old. So on my pod, you're constantly <laughs> hearing little girls screaming in the background and hating life sometimes. So I get it. <laughs> um, but 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 I think it it also taught me the 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 importance of process and and the craft uh, and uh, the importance of the craft of rehearsal. Um, and, and taking something and taking the time to really work something and, and the nuance and um, the discipline that it takes to be able to do that and to come out at the end with something really beautiful um, that you as an ensemble are proud of, not just yeah. you as an individual. My